from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. This is WIA National News for week commencing May the 15th, 2016. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3GR. Well, this week, Brian, I'm back from a few weeks up north at Byron Bay, back to this glorious, well, not so glorious, Melbourne weather, not? Uh, You've given it away, Rob. The listeners thought we'd recorded the last two weeks' broadcast in the same recording studio, but no, with the wonders of modern technology, we're actually recording our segments about 1,600 kilometres apart and sending each other the files. Yes, well, it's back to Melbourne, back to work. How did your Sydney trip go last weekend? Actually, Rob, I didn't end up in Sydney. I, uh, I ended up in uh, in bed for the weekend uh, with the flu. So as much as I would have liked to have gone, probably better not to spread my germs around everywhere. And uh, I really actually uh, got the rest I needed, and I've kept it at bay mostly until the last couple of days, and I'm nearly over it now. But thanks for asking. Okay, well, we better get into the news. And to kick things off, here is WIA President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, with some news from the WIA board. Hi, this is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. Everything's set to go for the WIA's 2016 AGM on Norfolk Island. We have about 100 people attending, around about the same number as previous years. The formal proceedings on Norfolk Island are in two sections, the AGM and the Open Forum. The Director's Report and the Treasurer's Report are presented and discussed at the AGM and questions on those two items will be taken. There is no special business and no special motions have been received by the due date. The Directors and Treasurers reports will be placed on the WIA website very shortly to allow viewing prior to the AGM. The second part of the meeting is the Open Forum, which is a more wide-ranging question and answer discussion on any topic relevant to amateur radio or the WIA. The meeting will then go into an afternoon session of some very interesting presentations. This year we have arranged to have the AGM and the Open Forum live audio and video streamed. So if you're near a computer or a smartphone, you should be able to log on and view the proceedings from Norfolk Island. The WIA has arranged for a commercial live stream server and is using Norfolk Telecom for the internet feed. Access to the live stream feed will be provided by a page on the WIA website and a news release providing access details will be posted in the week leading up to the AGM. One of the issues we constantly face is trying to allocate the few WIA Merit Awards to a very large number of worthwhile nominees. This year is no different, but now we've decided to introduce two new WIA Merit Awards the Michael J. Owen Distinction for Distinguished Service to the WIA and the Foundation Award for Outstanding Work with the Foundation Licence. One other thing we have initiated this year is a review of the WIA Constitution. We've formed a Constitution Review Committee comprising Peter Young, Peter Wolfenden and Jenny Owen with a view to identifying areas in the Constitution that need updating. Any proposed changes to the Constitution will need to go before next year's AGM in 2017, so there's lots of time for plenty of discussion and feedback. For more details about the activities on Norfolk Island, the voice repeater, Pico Balloon Flights, 
SOTA activities, de-expeditions and operating awards and more, please check out the WIA website Norfolk Island page. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA and I hope to meet as many of you as possible on Norfolk Island. Thanks Phil and now it's to Roger with an update from the WIA exam service. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with some interesting news about the WIA exams and callsign recommendation services. As reported previously, the Board's efforts to reform the National Office operations to focus on customer service continues to pay dividends, particularly for newcomers to the hobby sitting their licence exams and those returning to the hobby after an absence and seeking callsigns to get back on the air. Over the four weeks before Christmas last year, before the office closed for the holiday season, a total of 40 exams were processed and 61 call signs were issued. At the time, Vice President Fred Swainston, VK3DAC, commented that these volumes for exams and call signs over the final quarter of 2015 were higher than earlier in the year and especially compared with the same period in 2014. About half the call signs were being issued to amateurs returning to amateur radio, Fred said. We were wondering if there would be an easing off, or a slump even, during the first quarter of 2016. While the number of exams processed fell to 23 in January, then picked up to 29 in February, they came roaring back in March with 67 being processed for the month. But that proved to be the calm before the storm. In April, the WIA examinations officer, Petra, processed 78 exams. She was as busy as a one-armed paper hanger. What a sterling effort. Well done, Petra. Certificates issued over the four months to the 29th of April totaled 197. For the same period in 2015, 181 were issued, 16 fewer than this year. Little by little, more new amateurs are joining the hobby. Call signs issued this year also spiked up. In January, 61 were issued, which was line ball with December. In February, call signs issued jumped to 88. In March, the number bumped up to 104. Then, in April, 132 call signs were issued. What happened there? Well, we put it down to the Norfolk Island effect. That is, members attending the AGM, Open Forum and Weekend of Activities on Norfolk Island, applying for VK9 call signs to join in what will probably be the world's biggest de-expedition. It says here, Cue the sound bite of a kookaburra. But I can't find it. Oh well. This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. Museum Talk on Norfolk Island. For some 50 years, a Norfolk Island radio amateur has run a museum-type display which includes radio and navigation equipment used during World War II, and the Pacific Cable Gear of 1902. That cable once linked the Northern Hemisphere Atlantic Network to the Pacific and had two cables from Norfolk Island, one to Australia and the other to New Zealand. John Anderson, VK9JA, who knows the story behind the Mount Bates radar and history of ham radio on Norfolk Island. He welcomes all who will be part of the WIA annual general meeting and associated events to visit his display to learn more about the military and civilian aspects of communications. The program and events of Norfolk Island appear on the WIA website and will be further updated as the details are confirmed. In other news, the WIA AGM is being talked about 
by the weekly newspaper Norfolk Islander, plus on Radio Norfolk, 89.9 FM and 1566 AM, the locally run broadcaster. Norfolk Island VK9RNI UHF repeater. Following extensive testing, a new repeater is being packed for two-week service at Norfolk Island and the WIA annual general meeting. The Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group has put the digital equipment on air with good UHF contacts with VK3WHO, VK3WAR, VK3CNW, VK3DAC and VK3TSR. The output is set for 50 watts. The UHF repeater will handle various modulations including conventional FM, narrow FM 2.5 kHz, continuous four-level frequency modulation, digital FM, digital voice data and more. VK9 RNI is for those who are taking their handhelds to Norfolk Island. The frequencies are an output of 439.300 MHz and an import of 434.300 MHz with no CTCSS code required. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. The WIA QSL Bureau has some simple rules. The Wireless Institute of Australia operates a QSL Bureau system for its members that generally follows the guidelines decided by the International Amateur Radio Union. Among them are standards for QSL cards. The IARU has a universal standard for QSL card production to improve the handling of them by volunteers around the world. The WIA only processes cards that meet the IARU standard. That is, they should be no larger than 140mm by 90mm and are at least 025 of a millimetre thick. Copy paper is not suitable and glossy photographic paper with inkjet printing also causes issues for QSL bureaus around the world. All current users and those thinking of having QSL cards printed need to read the IARU standards and methods used by the WIA, including the pre-sorting of cards by those using the Outwards Bureau. More information on this WIA membership service is on the WIA website. WIA assessors tell their candidates of the expected process time. The time it takes after an assessment to issue a licence can take at least four weeks. In relation to fully qualified candidates, the WIA needs to issue them with a certificate of proficiency, verifies the callsign recommendation and sends relevant information to the ACMA. It is the ACMA that generates an invoice to the candidate for the licence fee. This must be paid before the licence to operate can be valid. The licence is then on the public database and confirmation is sent by the ACMA to the candidate. Assessors and candidates need to know that the total time between the return of the assessment to the WIA and the ACMA issuing a licence is currently about four weeks. Candidates who inquire about the progress of their assessment delays the WIA exam service which then needs to check the material from the assessor. Just imagine, it's Friday, May 20th, you have no club meeting to attend, the bands are dead and only rubbish on the TV. If this is the situation you find yourself in, I suggest you listen to this item. 
From Melbourne, on May 20th, there are two interesting events being televised live via VK3RTV1, Melbourne's digital amateur television repeater. Firstly, commencing around 17.30 Eastern Standard Time, there will be an ARIS contact where students from a Melbourne primary school get to talk to an astronaut on board the International Space Station. If you have never witnessed one of these events live, then here is a great opportunity to see one happen. The International Space Station will not be in radio range until at least 1835, so this will give you an hour to get things working. At about 18.45 Eastern Standard Time, the contact will be over, but not the ATV transmission. This will continue for a short while longer and then close. But wait, there's more! From around 19.30 Eastern Standard Time, VK3RTV1 will be active again, this time from the EMDRC club room in Burwood, where Peter... VK3BFG will be talking about amateur television and where things are currently at. You should hear an item from Peter during this edition of the VK1WIA News. Both events will be live on VK3RTV1, BATC and a live YouTube stream which was listed in the text edition of this news. Wyson South Australia continues to grow. Newly built Radio Go boxes ready for emergency communications will be on display at the Wyson South Australia Annual General Meeting to be held later this month. Throughout the year, Wyson has been successful with recognition from authorities and the Fire Ground Savem Veterinary Service for Injured Wildlife and Livestock. The recent donation of 12 Motorola UHF handhelds has added to the existing stock, but they'll need someone to assist with maintenance and issuing for emergency communications work. Among other activities, the Anzac Youth Vigil and the Cancer Council Relay for Life event both need Weissen expertise and equipment loans. To support the Weissen work in South Australia, be at the annual general meeting in the Tranmere Sea Scout Hall, Moore Street, Tranmere, on Friday, May the 20th at 7pm. Supper will be served. Hello, I'm Jeff Emery, VK4ZPP, and I've been thinking. Last week, some have wondered what the relevance of the internet is to the hobby of amateur radio, in terms of our licence conditions. The material you are hearing now has been distributed via the internet in the form of an MP3 file. But when we think further, the VOIP modes such as Echolink and the various digital derivatives such as used by ICOM and Yesu, plus the commercial variants which are being used in the hobby, all depend on internet linking. The ACMA has produced the AILS paper available on its website, where the A stands for amateur. Just think, if there was no DX clusters or the APRS logging site, how different radio would be today. The logbook of the world and EQSL provide convenience and speed that have only been made possible because of the internet. A newer activity that is gaining popularity is that of remote operating, where the rig is permanently located at one site, but the operator can be anywhere where suitable internet linking is available. There are online calculators and apps, which are seek to electronics or amateur radio. These days, you can't forget the ubiquity of video, made by hams and posted for the benefit of us all. 
so much of the recent evolution of a hobby has depended on the availability of the internet. How we receive the service, its cost and shortcomings should be something to consider. Just because we're in a black hole does not mean that others aren't receiving good service. And the reverse should be considered too. I'm Jeff Emery, and that's what I think. How about you? BK stations get to use AX prefix for World Telecommunications Day. The International Telecommunications Union, or ITU, is an international organisation established to standardise radio and telecommunications. The ITU was founded as the International Telegraph Union in Paris on May 17, 1865, and is the world's oldest international organisation. May 17, that is next Tuesday, is celebrated annually as World Telecommunication Day. The Wireless Institute of Australia has a long-standing agreement with the regulator, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, that the alternative AX prefix is available for the period 0001 to 23.59 hours local time on May 17 to mark World Telecommunication Day. The WIA recommends those who use the AX prefix do so with an appropriate QSL card, especially to meet the needs of award and prefix hunters. An Australian-built satellite project. In many countries, the challenge of space exploration continues, and here in West Australia is what could be the start of a new satellite project. This can have a place in the era of innovation and the emerging STEAM activities at schools. The OzCube 1 project is a tiny pocket cube satellite that is being built in a back shed and has been on ABC Radio and Television, even its own website and Facebook page. Building OzCube 1 is a challenge for its builder, Stuart McAndrew, but preparing for a low-Earth orbit by piggybacking with others on a space launch costs money. In his childhood, he had an interest in finding out how things worked, built electronic kits, studied aviation, and settled into a career in information technology. To make the OzCube 1 dream closer to reality, crowdfunding through a GoFundMe campaign is underway. More details on OzCube 1 project are via URLs which are in the text edition of this broadcast. For BK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FU QInningham. New study finds no mobile phone use cancer link. The incidence of brain cancer in Australia has been relatively stable over three decades, a new study led by the University of Sydney has found. This finding is counter to claims of electromagnetic radiation by mobile phones aired on the ABC program Catalyst earlier this year, which attracted widespread criticism. The study authors claim that despite the near-complete uptake of mobile phones among Australians, the devices which emit electromagnetic radiation are not shown to increase cases of brain cancer. All diagnosed cases of cancer in Australia have to be registered. The new paper drawing on this resource has found no link to brain cancer and mobile phone use. It follows studies overseas which also found no evidence that mobile phones cause brain cancer. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. A special event presentation will occur on Friday the 20th of May from around 7.30pm at the Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club. Peter, VK3BFG, who is well known in amateur television circles, 
will give a talk on the ways to enter this fascinating field. The talk will be televised using the club's facilities and equipment. The club station, VK3ER, has a DATV transmit system, which was funded by a grant from the WIA, and will transmit to the Melbourne DATV repeater, VK3RTV. VK3RTV has a permanent internet connection to the British Amateur TV Club's streaming site, where it can be viewed at any time when VK3RTV is active. As this is a special event, Ralph VK3 Lima Lima will provide a high-quality YouTube link with video and audio sourced from a receiver tuned to VK3RTV. For amateur stations or shortwave listeners not able to receive VK3RTV, this would be a great way of participating. As a result of the YouTube provision, the presentation will be relayed by VK3RBO Bendigo, VK5RDC Port Pirie, VK2RTS Sydney, VK2RTG Gosford, and hopefully VK4RMG in Brisbane. It is also expected that recorded versions will be transmitted via the W6ATN network in Southern California and also through the WR8ATV uh, system in uh, Columbus, Ohio. We are working on the possibility of an IRLP callback. Multiple cameras and connections will be a feature of the event with Ralph VK3 Lima Lima, Jack VK3 Triple W, and Damon VK3KQ leading the floor crew. Peter will cover entry level through advanced ATV systems, both analogue and digital. In particular, Peter will demonstrate the very versatile US-UK developed DATV Express, running from a small Odroid computer and its associated SDR, software-defined radio. Also, the Mini Tuner, which is an innovative set-top box receiver that uses a PC and a software utility developed by Jean-Pierre Foxtrot 6, a Delta Zulu Papa. The SDR component of the Mini Tuner provides a wealth of information about the received DATV signal, including signal strength, calibrated in dBm, the very important modulation error rate, MER, and the constellation display of the QPSK signal. A spectrum analyzer provided by Rob, VK3MQ, will allow clear visualization of the effects of overdriving a power amplifier and the rapid onset of these effects with modest attempts at increasing power. Visitors are welcome at the EMDRC club rooms on Friday the 20th of May or tune in to this special event by receiving your local ATV repeater through the BATC streaming website or by the best option for remote stations, the high-quality YouTube stream. Friday the 20th of May is the date for your diary. Anzac History and the Australian Submarine AE-2 the exploits of an Australian submarine in the Dardanelles as Anzac troops landed at Gallipoli on April 15, 1915 has been shown through a presentation to a very interested gathering. Kevin Mulcahy, VK2 Charlie Echo, the master of a Masonic Lodge on the New South Wales coast, gave an informative talk that detailed the AE2 story. His presentation at a lodge meeting went for 90 minutes before an audience that included former Navy sailors, resulting in few questions being asked. Kevin VK2CE said the story of AE2 is one of amazing fortitude, skill and perseverance, plus, of course, gallantry. Its sister Australian submarine, the AE1, which disappeared in battle, was skippered by a Freemason and that has led to further research. 
the two E-class submarines were the first for the then-fledgling Royal Australian Navy. The PowerPoint presentation drew heavily on the original article written by Michael Charteris, VK4 Quebec Sierra, the spark gap signal that changed Anzac history. In the April edition of Amateur Radio Magazine, the WIA Journal. On the Anzac Century, that article talks of the role of Australian submarine AE-2 and that crucial wireless message sent by telegrapher William Falconer in the Dardanelles as Anzac landed at Gallipoli on April 15, 1915. The gallant officers and sailors on AE-2, located in the Sea of Mamara, are part of the Anzac legend. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Parks Victorian National Parks active in November. The date has been announced for the 6th annual Keith Roger Memorial National Park Award activation period. Activators and hunters are to focus on the 45 national parks in Victoria. Award manager Tony Hambling, VK3XV slash VK3VTH, says that many are going for individual targets, including a merit award and the ultimate Grand Slam that needs all national parks. He welcomes any inquiries about the Keith Roger Memorial National Park Award activation that will be on Friday, November the 11th, through to Monday, November the 14th. The list has already attracted six national parks and many more expected. Now Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW. Northern Ireland Lighthouse scores the 200th entry. The Halberline Lighthouse in Northern Ireland, built in 1824, is this year's prestigious 200th registration in the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The annual fun event began in 1995 and is always held on the third weekend of August. Members of the Hilltop Amateur Radio Club in County Down mainly operate portable and have chosen the lighthouse. The 34-metre-high unpainted granite tower is on wave-washed rock, exposed only at low tide with a half-tide light for ships entering from the Irish Sea, showing that the tide was high enough for vessels to enter. Listen for its call sign in Clever Phonetics. Mike November Zero Hilltop Never Quiet. In the registration's leaderboard is Germany on 40, USA on 40 also, Australia 29, England 14 and Scotland 12 in a total of nearly 30 countries registering so far. To see them all, to register a marine navigation structure under simple guidelines on August 20th and 21st, visit the website illw.net. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, Canadian Wildfire. We've all seen the disastrous fires at Fort McMurray in Canada, which has raised many houses and properties. Radio Amateurs Canada has had many inquiries, but to date the Alberta section of Aries reports that it is not a communications exercise and no call-out has resulted. Meanwhile, Radio Amateurs are helping support agencies such as the Red Cross during this emergency. ARRL helps recovery from the Great Ecuador Earthquake. Jim Linton, VK3 Papa Charlie, Chairman IARU Region 3 Disaster Communications Committee, reports the recovery is still continuing in Ecuador following the 7.8 earthquake there on April 16 and numerous aftershocks. More than 650 people died, 16,600 were injured and widespread damage occurred in the disaster that was the worst earthquake in that country for nearly seven decades. 
The American Rodeo Relay League has sent the Rodeo Club Guayaquil, Hotel Charlie 2 Golf Romeo Charlie equipment for reliable communication where the telecommunications infrastructure has suffered damage. ARRL Emergency Preparedness Manager Mike Corey, Kilo India 1 Uniform, says an amateur radio network fills the communication gaps. It can be deployed anywhere, run on solar power and function without the internet or traditional telecommunications infrastructure. For WIA National News, I'm Jason, VK2LAW in Sydney. Rewind, a look back at our history. Organised Amateur Radio and the WIA. On the 11th of March 1910, a meeting of like-minded people in the Hotel Australia Martin Place, Sydney, formed the Institute of Wireless Telegraphy of Australia. Soon after, it dropped the word telegraphy from its name and was known as the Wireless Institute of Australia. Chairman of the founding meeting, George Taylor, proposed the formation of an institution amongst experimenters and enthusiasts in wireless for their mutual benefit. The WIA honours him with its highest award, the G.A. Taylor Medal, given infrequently at its annual general meeting for meritorious service. And now to the social scene, 2016. On May the 27th to the 29th in VK9, it's the WIA AGM on Norfolk Island. June the 3rd to the 5th in VK4, the Central Highlands Social Gathering, Therese Creek Dam. June the 4th in VK4, Barkfest, Mount Gravit Showgrounds. June 11th to the 13th in VK5, the VK Fox Hunting Championship and Sir Convention at Mount Gambier. July the 9th to the 10th in VK3, it's Gipstech at Churchill. August the 7th in VK6, the NCRG Hamfest, Cyril Street, Jackson Community Hall, Ashfield. And in September and October, that's the 30th to the 3rd in VK4, the Cardwell Gathering, Long Weekend, Beachcomber Motel. November the 6th in VK5, it's the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society, Hamfest. And November the 26th in VK7, the Miena Hamfest. That's on Saturday the 26th. Well, that's it for this week, Rob. That's another week of WIA National News done, and we hope that Graham is enjoying his time off. Yes, sure is the end of this week's news, and we hope that the listeners have a great week. And until we meet again, as we always say, we report it, you decide. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.